Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven right now and just tell him how great he is and worship him just for a second. Can we do that? Father, we worship you. We magnify you. Come on, lift your voice up. Just, just on your own right now, just magnify God with me if you would. We magnify your holy name. We, we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We say, Lord, you are good. You are great. You are awesome. You are amazing, Lord. Hallelujah. There's none like unto you. Oh, we could search long and far, but we would still find no one like you. You're our God. You are not only our God, but you are our Father. We thank you so much. Hallelujah for loving us. Even in our worst condition, you loved us. And you still keep on loving us. And you're faithful. Hallelujah. You're a faithful God. You're faithful to us. Glory to God. You're faithful. Hallelujah. You're faithful to us and we thank you for it. And we magnify your name this morning in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Why don't you give the Lord a big shout this morning? You know, uh, one of the things that uh, the scripture says is, you know, the psalmist said, he, he said, I rejoice at thy word as one that has received great spoil. You know, how would you react? That, that's what he's saying. He's saying you would react the same way when you receive the word as you would if someone was to go and say, pay off one of your banknotes or hand you a million dollars. I mean, if someone handed me a million dollars, I'd be pretty ecstatic about that, wouldn't you? And uh, you, you're lying to yourself if you wouldn't be. But uh, that's how we ought to be when it comes to hearing the word of God. Amen. And so let's do that. In fact, I don't even want to preach until you're rejoicing over the word because you're not going to draw too much out of me. So let's just rejoice right now that we get to hear the word of God. Amen. Y'all know how to do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We're excited to hear from you today. Glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are excited to hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, glory to God. So good to see everybody. Amen. You ready to get into the word with me? Amen. I want you to open with me, if you would, to Genesis, the 8th chapter, the 22nd verse, and Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. We're going to go just a little bit here and review some of our scriptures. We've been talking on the subject of seed time and harvest, and we've been doing that for about seven weeks. So we're, I think we're on part seven with this. And uh, if you missed any of the services, because I can't review everything, you can go online and it's free. You can get the church app. We won't charge you a thing. You get to listen to all of the messages from both campuses. And you can go on YouTube and you can get Wednesday night service as well. In fact, if you missed Wednesday night service, you need to listen to that. That's really important. I can't re-preach that. Actually, I could, but that's not what's uh, on my heart this morning. We're still talking about seed time and harvest. And I believe uh, we've been talking about this for some time, but I believe it's harvest time for the church. And I'm not talking about this church in general. I'm talking about you specifically. You are the church. And I believe it's harvest time for you. That time is now. It's time for you to really walk in all of the blessings, to walk in everything that God has for you. Can you say amen? And I believe, according to the scripture, you know, the Bible talks about in Amos, the book of Amos, that the sower 
and the reaper will overlap each other. In other words, God's going to accelerate some things in these last days where as soon as you sow it, you're going to be harvesting. As soon as, as soon as you speak it, you're going to start seeing some results. And uh, I think there's some things in our life that it seems like been delayed. How many have ever felt like there's been some things in your life delayed? Maybe you've prayed for some things or maybe you've uh, spoken to some mountains in your life or maybe you've sowed some seed and you're like, I haven't seen the harvest on that. I'm talking about financial seed. I believe that we're in a time, God's wrapping things up. We're in a time where we're going to start seeing some accelerated harvest. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about with that. You know, when Jesus turned water into wine, that was a miracle, a, a miracle of acceleration because it was the best wine. The best wine is an aged wine, but it started as water. That's what's interesting. And the moment it touched the governor's lips, it was turned into the best wine. So what takes years to make the best wine took one moment under the presence of God when it was activated by faith. And God will do the same thing in these last days, in this last hour. He's going to accelerate some things. And y'all are going to walk into some things that you've not walked in before. Hallelujah. Now, it seems, I cannot believe we're coming up on Mother's Day. It just seems like we were just at Christmas and Thanksgiving, and we are right here at Mother's Day. We get to celebrate the mothers next week. I'm excited about that. How many of you are excited about that as well? And then Father's Day, I'm even more excited about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, man, you know, it seemed like it's been the longest season since, you know, March of last year when we were put on lockdown. It seemed like a real long season up until now. But at the same time, it seems like a real short season, too. It seems like it got here quick, right? But I, I, I really, really believe that uh, if you haven't seen some things you've been believing for, you remember at the beginning of the year, you wrote down your vision list. Uh, if you did that, it's not too late. But if you've got some things that you envision or see yourself walking in, and you haven't seen it yet, and there's been delay, I believe we're about to walk into a quickly anointing. You know what I mean by that? It's quickly going to appear. It's quickly going to just manifest into your life. And I believe that. I receive that for me. There's some things that I've got just cooking on the inside of my spirit. You ever had some things just kind of developing on the inside of you? And, you know, for years I've seen some things. And uh, I, it's, I, I feel like some things are about to just give birth. Hallelujah. The seed's there, but now that seed's going to come to fruition. And I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to see that for your own life. Last week we talked about, you know, we're talking about the same thing, Wednesday night, seed time and harvest, and you really receiving the harvest. But really before you can do anything when it comes to releasing your faith you got to be built up in this you really do and the book of acts talked about being built up in the word of grace so that you can lay hold of your inheritance it's important that you're built up in your spirit and your hearts enlarged concerning this in other words you you've got to really see on the inside you walking in god's best you got to see that for yourself and when your heart is enlarged that's when things seem to be released into you now that's why we keep preaching the same thing the same text, the same thing. You say, why are you doing the same thing? Well, there's a number of reasons why I'm doing it. Number one, it's because the Lord told me to. So uh, if you've got a problem with that, then you go somewhere else where God's not speaking to the pastor, but God's speaking to me directly for you to hear this message so that it'll get developed and built up on the inside of you. 
you need to be established in this truth. You've got to see it for yourself. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to leave this place and get built up in this word of truth that we're talking about to where you see yourself walking in this. You're not just hearing about a pastor or another preacher or a song leader telling you, walk in God's best or God's got his best for you. No, no, no. You now see it and you've heard a rhema from the Holy Ghost on the inside of you that that's how it's supposed to be for you. You know, you're supposed to be the head and not the tail. You're supposed to be above and not beneath. You're supposed to be walking in such abundance that you're an influencer in this earth. I'm tired of the wicked being the influencers with the, with the money in this earth. Can I just talk about that for a second? You know who's being an influence out in this world right now? Hollywood. All these people. You got Bill Gates. I mean, he, he's got some evil thoughts. And all of a sudden, he can influence a vaccine. All of a sudden, he can be a doctor just because he's got money. No, no. It's stupid. But what would money do for true influence, influence, influencers in the world such as the church? Come on. I'm not here to knock somebody else, but I'm, I am here to build you up to the, you know, the ones in the church ought to be the biggest influencers in the world today. Hallelujah. And you got to get a hold of that. You can't be insecure and you can't see yourself as just a pew sitter. You got to see yourself as someone that brings in the harvest. You can't look at yourself and say, well, that's for somebody else. You can't look at yourself and say, well, I'm not qualified. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you're qualified right now. How many are righteous right now? If you can't raise your hand, then you, don't, you, you haven't been here long enough. According to the Word of God, you are already righteous. You're just as righteous as you'll ever be because you've been gifted with the righteousness of God in Christ. That means you're qualified to walk in God's best. He's qualified you. He's made you able to be such an influencer in this world. Hallelujah. And the wrong ones are influencing, steering people the wrong way. That's why we've got some, they've lowered the bar with so many standards and it's being really influenced by people that have money that shouldn't have money. But I'm telling you right now, actually they should. They're just storing it up because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I've never complained about the wicked having money because they're just laying it up for me. I just can't believe he had all that money. Well, according to the word of God, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, so keep on getting it laid up because we're coming into a time where the church is going to walk in it, but with purpose. But with purpose and with the purpose of influencing in these last days and preaching the gospel. You know, we, someone wrote us because we're getting ready to do that all, all, talk, all call tour. And they, they were writing online, I think it was, and they said, I think this is a scam. They're giving out $5,000 to, to two students. They're going to split it between two, two students. It's got to be a scam. And I'm thinking, no, but we're willing to fork it out if just one person gets saved. And the thing is, is you've got to be wise and learn how to draw people in, glory to God, so that when you really pull the net with preaching the gospel, hallelujah, guess what? They're going to be ready, and they're already coming to expect to receive something. Everyone's going to receive something the natural, but the gospel's going to be preached. And if you can use money as a tool to influence people to hear, then it's worth every penny, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, your sowing and your reaping affects you and it benefits you in this life. We're going to talk about that because I think a lot of people have gotten uh, indoctrinated with doctrines of devils. 
where they think, well, that's for later. That's for when we get to heaven. That increase and that prosperity stuff ain't for now. We need to be humble. How many have ever heard just a bunch of doctrine like that? We're going to, if we can, get all that washed out of your thinking so you can get built up in what does the word say about this life right here on this side of the river. Hallelujah. So that we can have a vision to walk in it in Jesus' name. God never called any of us or any of you to be average. Hallelujah. This place is filled with above average people that serve a God named Jira who is more than enough. Hallelujah. Now look here in Genesis 8:22. Actually, you can put it on the screen if you want and we'll for time's sake you don't have to turn to these they're just review. It says while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now, everything, whether you know it or not, this is the granddaddy principle. Everything operates by this principle. You're going to go eat today, and what you eat comes about by this principle, right? In fact, you're here today because of seed time and harvest. Now, does the earth remain? Is the earth still here? I sure hope so, or we're, we're just nuts right now. <laughs> but the earth is here, and there's cold and heat. There's summer and winter. There's still day and night. So there's still this principle or this law called seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed time and harvest. Time and harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And look at Proverbs 10.4. He says in verse 4, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. And I remember years ago, we were talking about prosperity when we first started the first campus, the first church, and people got really upset, really, really made some people mad when you started talking about prosperity. For some reason, people want to fight for the right to be poor. And so when they got mad, I, some of you might have been there, I decided on how to be poor. I, I taught a message on how to be poor and real good at it, thought maybe people would get happy if we talked about being poor. Well, they weren't too happy about that either. But one of the scriptures we pulled out was this, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. You can't just lay on the couch and make good confessions and expect to increase financially. You got to get some purpose and put your hands to something. Hallelujah. And then it says, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Now that's wisdom, isn't it? I said, that's wisdom. Now look here in verse 5. It says, he that gathers in summer is a wise son, and he that sleeps in harvest is a foolish son, or is a son that causeth shame. In other words, you can be a sower, you can confess the word, and still be asleep in harvest. That's what we want to get on the inside of you. We want you to be awake because it's harvest time. You can be in bed and miss out on bread. <laughs> you can be asleep and not reap, right? And so what we're trying to tell you is you might have sowed some seed in the past, but it's still there to be harvested. And we've talked about protecting that seed. We've talked about watering that seed, protecting your harvest, watering that harvest. The Bible says that when you tithe, you 
it opens up the windows of heaven and he pours out. What does he pour out? He pour, pours out a blessing where there's not room enough to receive it. And then he says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, that I will not, uh, that, that I will not open up the windows of heaven. And he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that your vine will not cast its fruit before its time. You know, it's possible that you've got a vine and you've got fruit, you've got harvest on it, but you never go to harvest that and it's open game for the devourer to come and take that fruit. You ever drove by and you've seen maybe cantaloupe in a field or watermelon or different think pumpkins around October and they get the first harvest, they get the second harvest, they get the third, but the last of the last of the harvest they usually leave out there and who gets it? Usually the varmints, the squirrels, the gophers, the, the, the pests and all that. And they, they've got gourds and there's holes eaten into them. And it starts to stink. There's still fruit out there, but because it was never picked, because it was never harvested, somebody else got what belonged to the farmer. And so the one that farms is responsible. The one that sows has a responsibility to harvest what he sowed. And a lot of people have this misconception and this idea that if God wants me to have it, he's just going to pour it down from heaven and it's just going to happen. No, God will pour it down from heaven, but like we talked about Wednesday night, he poured down quail, he poured down manna from heaven, but the men of Israel and the women and the families of Israel had to gather that together, right? God poured out the blessing, but man had to gather it. And so there's blessing that God is pouring out today, but you have to have a sense of I'm a possessor. I'm a gatherer. I'm not going to let my harvest be given over to the devourer. I'm not going to let someone else get my blessing. It belongs to me, so I'm going to take hold or lay hold of what's mine. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but if God's got something for me and he's deposited blessing in, on the inside of me, I want to make a withdrawal on what's mine. If I put money in your bank account and you never know about it, you'll never go to the bank and make a withdrawal on that. But once you find out that it's there and you know how to make a withdrawal on what belongs to you, that's faith, hallelujah, that's seed time and harvest, you get the word coming out of your mouth and you get that seed into the ground, then it's going to come up and you're going to take Take possession of what's yours. Same way you do at the bank is the same way you do with your heavenly treasure. Glory to God in your heavenly account. You got to learn how to make a demand on what's yours. You can't be demanded and bossed around by the enemy in this world today. You're going to have to learn how to walk in your authority with a sense of I'm going to demand what's mine. Not from the hand of God. He's already poured it down. But you can't let someone else get your blessing. You can't sleep and let someone else get your harvest. It's possible that you've sown and you've sown and you've given and you've spoken the word and there's harvest to be received but because we're asleep today and realize and think that you know well God's going to get it to me. Yeah he'll get it to you but you got to have eyes to see and ears to hear because he'll always answer your seed with direction. He'll always give you direction just like he told Peter cast your net on the other side. 
Peter let him use his boat. That was sowing. And when Jesus was there, he said, okay, I'm going to show you where the harvest is at. He still had to get his net out, put it on the other side, and launch out into the deep. Even though he was reluctant to do so, God brought in a harvest for him. And had he been asleep, he'd have missed out on it. Right? And so that's what we're talking about here. Proverbs 10.5 says, He that gathers in summer is wise, but he that sleeps causes shame. We've got sons and daughters in here. And God says if you want to be wise, you've got to be awake during harvest. Amen? If you want to be foolish, then let someone else get what's yours and just downplay prosperity and say, well, that's not for me. No, it is for you. Glory to God. God wants you to be the head and not the tail, blessed in the basket, blessed in the field, blessed in the city, and whatever you're putting your hands to, God intends for that to be fruitful, hallelujah, and increase every step of the way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So we want to be productive. We want to be productive in this. And to do that, you're going to have to learn to put your flesh under it. Because your flesh is going to drive you towards being asleep in this. Because I'll tell you why. And let me just say this. Before you got born again, you had flesh that ran rampant. And after you got born again, you still have the same flesh. But you've got to learn like Paul when he said, I keep my body under. You've got to learn how to keep that flesh under and keep it under the, the heel of your, your foot and say, not today. You're not going to drive me. You're not going to steer me towards unbelief. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. I'm not going to be moved by what I hear. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by what's going on in the world or the economy. I'm going to keep on harvesting. I'm not going to look at the clouds. I'm not going to look at the weather. That's what our next scripture says here. Put it up on the screen. Ecclesiastes 11.4. You getting anything out of this? I'm trying to review as fast as I can so that we can get into something new. But Ecclesiastes chapter 11.4, he says, He that observeth the wind will not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Read that again. He that what? Observes the wind. He that looks at the wind. Another translation says, Whoever's looking at the wind won't sow, and whoever's looking at the clouds won't reap. You see, it's important what you look at. It's important what you're seeing, because if what you're looking at is driving you away from seed time and harvest, maybe you're looking at something, and it's telling you now's not the time to reap, or, you know, this isn't the right season to sow. Maybe I, you're thinking, I got other things I can do with this, and, and uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's doable for me. Or maybe you've got other people speaking into your life saying, you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't do this, or God doesn't want you blessed. You could be looking at the wrong thing, and what you look at will determine whether you're going to sow or whether you're going to reap. All right? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Whoever watches the wind, one translation says, will never plant. Whoever looks at the cloud will never harvest. In other words, you can look at the weather and say, it's too hot right now, or it's too cold, or it's too windy right now, or the situation's not right right now. But, you know, seed don't know weather patterns. Seed just knows what to do. It's got to die. It's got to get into the ground and die. If it don't, it abides alone, and then it's got to regenerate. Just like Jesus, he had to go into the ground. He had to die. If he didn't die, then you wouldn't be able to claim the new birth. He had to die first for you to be born again. He was the first one that was born again. He was the first fruits of many. And when he rose up, 
we rose up together with him the moment we released our faith and received him. We died with him. We were buried in his death and baptism. Hallelujah. The, the baptism of death and we resurrected together in that same spirit that happened over 2,000 years ago on the cross. And Jesus was that seed. The same thing it is with seed that you sow. It's got a release from you and it knows exactly what to do if you let it go. And when it goes into the ground, it dies. And when it dies, it now has the ability to become born again. And whatever you've sowed, whether it's financial, whether it's a word, hallelujah, don't ever count a seed out. Never say it's over. If you've got seed in the ground, when Jesus was in the ground, people counted him out. But let me tell you something. Three days later, he rose from the dead and that tomb was empty. Don't ever count what you've sown out. It's not over. As long as you've got seed in the ground, and it doesn't have to wait three days because we're in a day of accelerated harvest. It could happen tomorrow. If you sowed seed today, have an expectation expectation tomorrow hallelujah something good's gonna happen it could happen the moment you walk outside this door I remember giving a financial seed to someone in the row in front of me years ago God said take that bill in your pocket it was a hundred dollar bill at that time that was all I had he said give it to that person on on the uh, on the second row and I handed it to him and as soon as I walked out of the building someone said the Lord told me to give you this and handed me five of those hundred dollar bills that was the quickest harvest, glory to God. And God doesn't just do that for preachers. At the time, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a preacher. I was just a member in the church. If God will do it for those that will release their faith, what will they do for you if you release yours? Never count a seed out. Hallelujah. The seed don't care about the wind. The seed don't care about the weather. If we're looking at those things, we're looking at the wrong thing. Look unto the author and the finisher of your faith. Glory to God. He is the one that gets his anointing on that seed and causes resurrection. Can you say amen? All right, let me ask you this question. Well, before we do that, turn, turn with me. Let's get into something new here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, go there with me. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. Hallelujah. Y'all getting something out of this? I'm a little bit excited about this series. Hallelujah. And if you can get excited about it with me, then that must mean you're starting to see it. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. Notice what it says. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now, everybody say now. Now is the accepted time. And behold, underline this next phrase. Now is the day of salvation. So let me ask you this question. When is it God's will for something good to happen to you? Let me ask it again. Because the, the last part of the scripture said, now is the day of salvation. When is, it, when is it the right time? What is faith? The Bible says, now faith is, right? When is the right time, or when is it God's will 
for something good to happen to you. Now, a lot can happen in the rest of this year. If, you, if you've seen delay, there's still a lot that can happen. Hallelujah. Why? Because now is the time. Don't get looking at the clouds. Look at what the Lord told you because now faith is. What would an amazing month do for you and do for your 2021? We just stepped into March. What would an amazing, uh, or May, what would an amazing May do for you? Amazing. What if May was amazing? Well, that's right now, right? And if now is the day of salvation, that's not just talking about people getting saved because salvation is the word sozo, right? And in that Greek word is the same word healing, salvation, right? Uh, eternal life, all these different things, prosperity, deliverance, deliverance, preservation, all these things are wrapped up in that word. So if now is the time for that, then it must be the time for healing. I'm not going to wait for June to be healed. I'm going to get healed now. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow for prosperity. I'm going to declare prosperity now. You see, when he said during the offering how many rich people are in here, if you were looking at your bank account to determine whether or not you're rich, then you've missed out on what we mean by now. And you've missed out on faith. Because faith isn't moved by what you have. You could have nothing and not have a penny to your name and still have the new birth and still have salvation and have a right to claim that he became poor in his poverty. In his poverty, he, he was made that curse so that you could be rich. And you would have a right, even in the midst of your situation, to raise up your hand and say, right now, I'm rich. But you got to get a vision of that. You got to see that. Come on. You got to see that today's my day of prosperity. Today is my day of harvest. Today is my day of healing. Today is my day of deliverance. You got to get it out of this mode of hope that I sure hope tomorrow changes or I sure hope next week's different or I sure hope the rest of this year is different or I sure hope, you know, that we get over this, this pandemic. No, right now is the day of salvation. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. What matters is I'm in today. I'm in the now. Hallelujah. And if I'm in the now, I'm in faith. And that means I'm in line for something good to happen to me in every arena of my life. And you've got to have an earnest expectation for something amazing in May to happen to you. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down. <laughs> stir up your faith. Amen. That's what I'm trying to do. Stir you up. Stir up the inside of you and stir up your faith with an excitement. Hallelujah. You're closer to some things right now than you've ever been before. There's some things right at your doorstep. If, I'm telling you right now, there's things for this church. We're right at the doorstep of something big. Every year we've stepped into something big, but I'm telling we're stepping into something bigger. It seems like every month. Some increase is coming from here or from there, but God's got plans, and God's saying, can I build with you? Can I work with you? And the ones that he can build with have a spirit of increase and a spirit of prosperity that say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to be an influencer. I'm ready to influence this county. I'm ready to influence Marietta and Menifee and Hemet and all the surrounding areas. Build up in me a spirit of faith about this. See, you gotta be stirred. 
you got to be stirred. you got to expect. You don't have to know how. All you got to do is believe him. Well, I don't know how he's going to increase me. You don't have to know how. All you got to do is believe him. Good things are headed towards me now in this time. Say that. Good things are headed towards me right now. Right now. Right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, right now. Not tomorrow, right now. Right now. Hallelujah. And they're, they're headed towards you. And see, the thing about it is, is faith is, is like a magnet. It, it'll magnetize the things that belong to you, to you. Uh, doubt and unbelief and, and just kind of that, that language is like a, 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 it's the opposite of it. You ever, I forget how it is, you turn the magnet around and it just kind of pushes it away. That's, if, if you get unbelief coming out of your mouth, it'll, it'll push away what's supposed to come towards you. You understand what I'm saying? And so you want to make sure that you're stirred up in this because what it does is it starts to attract these things to your life. How do you stir it up? Well, you got, you got to get a stirring stick. He said, oh, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this thing called your tongue. And with your words, that's a stirring stick. <laughs> with your words, you start stirring this thing up in your life. Not just in church where it's really easy, but maybe on your way home when you're just by yourself in the car, you're with your family, and you start saying, right now is my time. Right now is my day. Hallelujah. <laughs> what about if you just got laid off on the job? Or what about if you just got some bad news? Or what about if maybe something you put all your hope in, you know, just kind of turned south? And uh, that's the right time to get your stern stick out and say, right now is my time. (laughs) That's not my source. God's my source. I'm not moved by what happened just now. Glory to God. Things happen. But he's still my father. And nothing changes that. Right now is my time. Say that out loud. Right now is my time. Go, go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Can I have a few more minutes here? All right, Philippians 4, 14. Hallelujah, we're going to get into some things. I want you to see this good, good stuff. Thank you, Lord, for revelation that's flowing. Thank you for people that are helping with their faith, making a demand on unction and utterance in the Holy Ghost today in Jesus' name. Thank you that. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Verse 14, notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only. What's he saying? He's saying they communicated with seed time and harvest. They sowed into his ministry. That's just to make it plain. They were sowing financial seed to his ministry, okay? We're not talking about that directly, but we, we see this in the scripture. It's very direct what they did. And he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once again unto my necessity. So in other words, he had needs. Paul, the minister, had needs And he said, there's no church like this church. He's bringing attention to him. You've been given, you've been receiving, you've been increasing, and you're making the business of God God a matter of your business. 
Hallelujah. And he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but underline this right here. He said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I desire that fruit may abound to your account, that harvest would be in your account, right? What account is he talking about, and do you have one? Okay, that's, that's what we're getting at. What account is he talking about, and do you have one, and does everybody have the same thing in their account? And we're going to clarify this because some people said yes, and that's not necessarily so that everybody's got the same thing in their account. Because look here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. It's according to what you lay up. Everybody say lay up. We're going to lay up and we're going to lay hold. That's, that's one of the phrases we want to really hone in on here it's our job to lay up it's our responsibility to lay up and it's our responsibility to lay hold Matthew 6 19 says lay not up for yourself treasures on earth notice what he says he says don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is, right? What account are you putting your treasure in? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Don't think that Anything in this world is secure. You know, you can lay up and lay up and lay up. And there ain't, I'm not saying don't save or don't put money. I'm not saying that at all. But don't put your trust in this world system. Because you could have laid up hundreds of thousands of dollars and they can devalue or revaluate the currency in a moment just like they did in China, just like they've done in different countries in the Middle East where what was once worth a million is worth a penny and that can happen with any kind of corrupt government in a second just to break a nation so that the government can rule when when they stand up and say we the people are the government that's when you know there's some issues that we got with that because the people is not the government the government's there for the people we're not there for the government that's a problem, and it's a problem in communist countries and socialist countries, and they run the people. But it's always been in America where the people are the people, not the government. When you start hearing that mess, you, knew, you know something's wrong, and that's when the church really has to stand up and say, I'm not going to be ran by this. I'm from another kingdom. Glory to God. And I'm not going to lay my treasure up and my hope on a world system that can devalue what I got. So I want to lay my treasure somewhere where it's secure and someone can't take it away from me and it can't be corrupted. 
Because you can make an exchange on an account somewhere and you can lose on it the day you make that exchange. There's no guarantee. I've had promises about certain coins and different investments that if I buy this, one person told me last week, if you buy this and it goes up to a penny, it, it'll turn your investment into $33 million. Well, why isn't everybody doing that? And it could and it couldn't and it could go up and I can lose it all in a day because there's no security and there's never going to be a guarantee in any kind of investment. The only guarantee you have is when you lay your treasure in the, the, the heavenly account. I'm not against any of those things. Don't misunderstand me. I've made investments in different things like that. I'm not telling you not to do that, but I am telling you don't put your hope in that. Don't put your faith in that. Don't put your trust in that. That can change in a moment, but there is something you can put your trust in. You can lay up. You can install or make deposits, hallelujah, into an account Paul was saying that, right? He said, I don't desire that all these things come to me, but I desire that because you're giving and because of your receiving, I desire now that fruit abounds to your account. Do you see the connection here in Philippians 4? In other words, when you give, you're laying up. And, and if we're not putting the kingdom first and we're putting this world system first and we've got our hope and security in that, moth and dust will corrupt what we put our trust in. But if we've got our treasure in the kingdom, I'll tell you what God will do. He will secure, hallelujah, the seed that you sow. Right? So there's, there's no such thing as 100% safe investment. But when it comes to God... You still, need to, you, you still need to be directed by God. Don't misunderstand me. When it comes to God, he can take your resources, glory to God, secure them and protect them, guard them, increase them. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe the scripture because he says if you lay it up in this direction, it's going to corrupt, right? Can you use this system for increase? Sure, but that's when you've got to be directed and led by the Spirit. Right? If you're just doing it because, well, I'm just going to try it, you can, get in a, you can get in a mess with that. You can get into trouble with that. But if you're being led, that's different. Amen? Now, do we need a leading to lay our treasure up in a heavenly account? No, we have instruction in the Scripture. Glory to God. And if you'll, what he's saying is, listen to this, he's saying if you sow them, when the Lord tells you, when you're sowing it, you're converting it. You're converting, let's just talk about finances for a second. You're converting your currency and you're rolling it over into a heavenly account. Glory to God. That, that's what's happening. And when you sow something, the moment you sow it, it can never decrease in value. It can never decrease in value. You can never lose it. And nobody can take it from you. Now, I could put it in Altura or Bank of America, and it may increase or it may not. I can put it in any other kind of account in this earth system, and it may increase or may not. But I do have a guarantee that when I put it in the Bank of Heaven, hallelujah, that, listen, let's say it again, it can never decrease in value. 
I can never lose it, and nobody can take it away. Glory to God. Down here, it can rust. Down here, it can wear out. But if I'm connected to this system, and I want to prosper God's way, God's way is greater than any cryptocurrency. Not against that. I got some. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying God's way is never going to be put on the shelf and I'm never going to put my trust in something other than God's way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because when I do it God's way, it can never decrease in value. I can never lose it and it's protected. Hallelujah. It's insured and nobody can take it from me. Hallelujah. There's a way to make your treasure untouchable. There's a way to make heavenly deposits in heavenly accounts. How? You lay up for yourself. You ever heard that phrase, do something for yourself? That's what he's telling you to do for yourself. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where it can't corrupt, where it can't uh, break down, where it doesn't lose value. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Amen. Treasures uh, in earth are wonderful, but treasures in heaven... When you take your seed, it's converted to heavenly treasure, and it's there for you to lay hold on. Okay, we're going to talk about that. It's there for you to lay hold on. Look at verse 21. He said, where your heart is or where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Always keep your heart in his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I love the story. Uh, we sat down with the elder, he, was, he said, I'm actually the elder, not just one of the elders for Fred Price's ministry. He goes, I've been with him for years. And we had lunch with him a few, few weeks back uh, after church. He was at the other campus. He came to the service and uh, just such a precious man. And he said, he goes, now, if Fred Price never talked about, you know, he took such a, a hit, you know, because people thought, oh, he's one of them prosperity preachers. And look at his watch and look at his car. And he said one time, one time he stood up behind the pulpit and he was in a minister's meeting and it was in a room where you could see through all, you, you, into the parking lot, through the glass, you can see into the parking lot, you can see his car. And he pointed to his watch. He said, see this watch right here? He goes, it's a $14,000 watch. He goes, but I didn't believe for it. He goes, I didn't even want it. He goes, I don't even like watches. But he said, someone gave me that watch. He goes, I wasn't believing for no watch. He goes, I'm just wearing it because someone gave it to me. He goes, but I never once believed for a watch. He says, see that car out there? He goes, that's that car. They criticized me for driving that car. He goes, but I never paid for that car. He goes, I wasn't even believing for that car. He goes, I just assumed be driving a truck. He goes, it didn't matter to me. He goes, but I drive it because someone gave it to me. He goes, I never once believed for a watch or a car. He talked about his house. He goes, many of you have seen my house. He goes, I never prayed, believed God for a house. He goes, I'd be content to be in any house. He goes, you know what I put my faith on was the expansion of the kingdom. He said, I put my faith on ministry. I, my, my believer was tuned in to grow in the church. 
He goes, and as my faith was on that, it was on kingdom business. He, and then he preached on Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What, what, what things was he talking about? Food, clothes, natural things, things that the Gentiles seek after. In fact, that's what he said. He goes, I wasn't believing for these things. He goes, they just came to me because I was doing Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And you know, when you're laying up your treasure into kingdom business, you put yourself in a place where things that you don't even ask for start flowing into your life. That doesn't work for just preachers. That works for people that act on the word of God. Jesus didn't say, hey, preacher, seek first the kingdom of God and you'll drive a Rolls Royce. No, he wasn't even talking about that. That doesn't even matter. That pales into comparison. People think that's the pinnacle of prosperity. Wait till you get to heaven. You don't even need a car. You just think a thought and you're there. That's just transportation. That's just a tool. And if it brings glory to God, praise God. But let me tell you something. You ain't seen nothing yet. If you throw your heart and your life into kingdom business and pour your business into that, God will make your business his business. He will bless you with things you never asked for. You'll be able to live off the drip of things. We're not after those things. If you've heard prosperity, prosperity, and be rich, and all that in this service, and you've never been here before, that's not what we're all about, is just trying to get rich. We're all about being an influencer in this earth. And, and we're all about kingdom business. And if we sow our life into kingdom business. Let me tell you what, you're not going to sit there and be poor. God's going to make sure that you increase in every area of your life so that people will look at you and say, wow, you must be someone important. And you think, no, nah, it's not me. It's God. It's the blessing of God on me. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, there's a scripture that says the goodness of God leads people to turning and repenting and people can see God's goodness on you if you let them. If you let them, if you get out of the poverty mentality and start saying, God, here I am. Now's my time. This is my day of prosperity. Hallelujah. Yes, come on. <laughs> Keep your heart in his kingdom. And if you lay treasure in heaven where, where uh, you know, people think this idea, I'm going to lay it in heaven. I'll never be able to get to touch it till I get to, till I get to heaven. No, 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 no. It's just a an account that you get to convert your seed into where it's protected, it's guarded, and once it's there, you get to withdraw on that for time here on this earth. Can I show you that? That's the second part of this message. Your account's not here on the earth. Your account's in heaven. That's where it increases, but you get to make a withdrawal on it. Hallelujah. It's one thing to say, well, thank God I got a heavenly account. Can't wait to get to heaven. But that's a religious way of thinking. God doesn't want you to use it when you get to heaven. You won't need a bank account in heaven. Will you? No. You got, you're going to have a street. You might have a driveway the same way the streets are. They're just paved with gold. They're not paved with gold. They're of gold. Right? And so when you get to heaven, there's no need for that. But you do have a heavenly account that protects your, that your, your, your funds. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Trying to help you today. Go to Mark chapter 10, and uh, this is so good. Let's just, let, let's start. I want to go to verse 21, but let's start here. 
in verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Are you glad you came this morning? Can you put verse 17 up there? Look what it says. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, running to Jesus and kneeled to him. So that's a running. He's excited, right? Kneeling. He's respectful. He's excited and honorable. And he asks him, he says, good master, what shall I do? (laughs) How, How can I inherit eternal life? Look at verse 18. Jesus said to him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God in verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father, thy mother. Verse 20. And he said, he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. So he knows who he's dealing with here. He's he's dealing with someone that observes the law. Right? He's dealing with the Jew. And this Jew comes up running up to him, says, this Jewish man comes up running. He observes the law. He's all excited. He says, I've, I, I've, I do all the commandments. I obey everything. I'm faithful. I'm, I'm good. I've done everything I'm supposed to do under the law. Now, how can I in- inherit eternal life? And he answered and said unto him, Master, I've done all these things. I've observed them from my youth. Look at the next verse. Jesus beholding him, loved him, said unto him, one thing you lack. (laughs) One thing you lack. How do you like to hear that? If you're under the law and you think you've done everything under the law and you've got this sense of pride about it and you come up running to Jesus in excitement, he says, eh, you've missed it in one point. (laughs) You think you've arrived, but you've missed it. He said, one thing you lack, go thy way and sell whatever you have, give it to the poor. And thou shalt have what? Where's that at? That's in an account, right? Where's that treasure at? It's in a heavenly account. So in other words, take all you have. Take all your money. Why do you tell him take all of it? First of all, he's boasting on how he's followed all the commandments. And now Jesus wants to point out, no, you haven't. Just so the law can do what it's supposed to do, and make this individual be found guilty. That's what the law does. The law makes you guilty. In other words, there's nobody that can come under the law and obey all of it. That's why Jesus had to come along. Jesus fulfilled the law, right? Then he gave us the law of love and wrote it on our heart, and love fulfills all the law. You you understand what I'm saying? But this man made his money an idol, that he put before God. He literally did. Because when Jesus said, take it, what you're trusting in, take it, give it to the poor, and when you give it, you're going to now put your money in a heavenly system. You're going to put it in a heavenly bank account. He says, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. Look at the next verse. He was so sad at the saying, he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So this guy comes running, excited, right? And he goes away sad. Why? Because you're talking about his money. The moment you started messing with his money, because he trusted in his money, he served his money, he loved his money. In fact, he loved it more than God. 
And the moment the master said, because he knows, he knew that's what he served. So he wanted to prove something out. You think you're righteous with your own righteousness under these laws and these rules? I'll prove it out right now. Take what you're trusting in and give it away. And how do you act? He went away sad. He went away grieved. Why? Because the possessions that he had had him. If your stuff has you instead of you having your stuff, then it's going to mess you up. Look at verse 23. This is good stuff. Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, How hard shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now look at verse 24. That we're getting to something here. And the disciples were astonished at his word. But Jesus answered and said, Unto them children, how hard is it for them? He has to clarify it because they had riches. The disciples had riches. That's why that it triggered something in their thinking. Well, if he can't enter into the kingdom of heaven, then we can't because we got riches. But Jesus says, answers and says to them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? There's the kicker. Those that trust in riches can't enter into the kingdom of God. Now look at the very next verse. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 26, they were all astonished out of measure, saying unto themselves, then who can be saved? Jesus looked upon them and said, with men it's impossible, but what not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to them, lo, we've left all. We followed thee. Right? Because that's what he told this man to do, the rich young ruler. Look at the very next verse. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There's no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's sake. Verse 30, He shall receive a hundredfold when they get to heaven. Did they say when they get to heaven? No. In this time, what's the hundredfold, right? So if I put something in my heavenly account, is what I put the same amount? No, it's a hundredfold. It's a hundredfold in this time. Now, whether I withdraw a hundredfold is determined by what I have faith for, right? And so... If you got faith for the 30, if you got faith for the 60, if you got faith for the 5, I don't believe in the 30, 60, 100. What do you believe in? Because what you're believing in is what you're going to make, make it withdrawn. If, if you don't believe in any of it, then apparently you don't believe that it's for this time. But he said, a hundredfold you'll get in this time. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to get you excited about this. And houses. Not house, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children's, and lands, with persecutions. Don't you think people are going to be excited about you prospering? Don't you think the world's going to be excited about it? Don't you think the devil's going to be excited about it? That's why he's fighting it so hard right now in the church. That's why people get up and walk out and say, well, I don't want to hear that. Why? Because the devil's been working at you for years to be poor. He's got you so excited about being poor. He's got you at the place where you're not fruitful and not an influence. But what would happen, my God, if you started walking in this? Well, you'll start getting persecutions. 
<laughs> right? And it may be from people you thought would never persecute you, but you just got to keep your head, not look at the wind, not look at the clouds, and start walking in the kingdom business and allow God to bless you. But he didn't stop there. He said, with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. So not only now and this time, but and in the world to come. Glory to God. You know, there's rewards and there's different things in heaven that you're going to get to walk in that maybe others won't. You realize that? Because of what you laid up. Glory to God. We don't talk about that much. But what about a soul winner's crown? There's some people that don't want anything to do with winning souls. But there are those individuals that love souls, souls, souls. And the Bible talks about a soul winner's crown. It's not that you're going to walk around and say, look what I got, look what I got. But you know what you're going to want to do? Everything that you've received, you're going to want to put it at the feet of Jesus. Because everything you received, you'll realize, I couldn't have got it if it wasn't for him to begin with. But there is going to be a time where there's a ceremony, glory to God, and there's going to be things that are given to some that aren't given to others. Hallelujah. And just as it is then, there's some believers now that walk in some blessings that others don't. And it's determined by what your, uh, your thermometer is set at. If your faith thermometer is just set on cheapskate, then guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a penny-pension mentality all your life. But if you can switch the switch of faith into an abundant mode and believe for increase, hallelujah, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to start making a withdrawal and start reaping what belongs to you. Notice what he says in verse 21. He says, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Back to verse 21. What did he tell the rich young ruler? If you give, you'll have what? Treasure in heaven heaven if you give you'll have what say it together treasure in heaven what you don't want to do is take sides against the master <laughs> you you want to believe in what jesus is saying here this stuff's in red right go to first timothy chapter six can i have just a few more minutes here first timothy chapter six look at uh, brother martin was here this morning but we'll we'll start in verse 12 lay up and lay hold lay up and lay hold we're laying up our treasure and now we get to lay hold on it, not for another time, but for this time, for now. Verse 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith, right? How many know that we fight a fight, but it's a good fight? You, what makes it good? We've won. We've already won. It's fixed. Glory to God. He said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. There it is. Lay hold on what? eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses so there's there's two things that you need to believe in i'm someone that lays up and i'm also a person of faith that lays hold it takes faith to lay up and it takes a fight of faith to lay hold you got that it takes faith to sow I mean, you can't look at the clouds when it comes to sowing. How many have had clouds? I mean, it seems like the, the biggest clouds come during offering time for a lot of people. Or it may not even be in a church. God, made, God told me one time to give my most favorite car away. And I thought, Lord, I paid cash for this. I love this car. This was years ago. And I didn't want to get rid of it. I planned on keeping it and letting it be a classic, you know, later on in life. 
I kept it. Garage kept and he looked at that and he goes, no, that, that seed belongs to someone else. And clouds were starting to form around me. <laughs> and you know what I had to do is violate that. And as soon as I started to get into it, it never felt like it was mine again. It, it belonged to the person I was supposed to sow it to. So quick as I could, I got that car, that key, and that pink slip over to their house. I said, I don't care what you do with it. It's yours. It's not mine no more. And, uh, you know, God blessed us. And there was increase that came from it. But there were clouds. <laughs> and it took faith to do that because we didn't have anything else. Now, I'm not telling you to start riding a bike tomorrow just because you're going to do what I did. Don't do something based on what someone says. Do something what the Lord, do, do what the Lord tells you to do. When my wife went to Rama, she said that uh, someone testified about how they gave a car away and got a new car the next week, and everybody, all the students gave their car away, and they didn't get their car next week. They were all riding bikes. And so you don't do something just because the guest minister said what he did. You do what the Lord tells you to do. Hallelujah. Right? It takes faith to lay up. It takes faith to lay hold. These are two things that we have a responsibility to do. Laying hold has to do with faith, and it requires a fight. There's clouds that come. There's rain, and you've got to fight through that. Faith is unmoved. If the Lord tells you to do it, your flesh desires not to do it, you've got to put your flesh under and say, not today, not today. Now's my day of, of obeying God and obedience to the faith and following the leading of the Spirit on the inside of me because God's got something better for me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And uh, that's got to be our source, and that's got to be what we believe in. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart's going to be. You believe that? Say amen. Now look at verse 17. Same chapter, look at verse 17. He said, charge them. So it's our job to lay up, right? But then he says, charge them, verse 17, that they are rich in them that are rich in this world. See, people say, well, that's talking about people that are of the world, not Christian people. No, in context here, he's talking about the church. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Does God want you to enjoy stuff? Yes, yes. Yeah. There, is there anything wrong with you enjoying blessings and prosperity? Absolutely not. In fact, if you're not enjoying life, something wrong. I don't know if you're eating sauerkraut or a sour pickle, what you've been on, but you've you got to change your diet. Glory to God. He's, he's blessed you, and he wants you yes. to uh, enjoy life. And then verse 18 says that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to what? Distribute and to communicate. What did Paul say they did at Thessalonica? They communicated with giving and receiving. So giving and sowing. Sowing and reaping is a communication. It's, it's going from you to somebody else, right? And coming back to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And look what he says here, uh, that they may be good, rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Then verse 19, laying up in store for themselves. Laying up where? In store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Number one, your laying up is for yourself. And it's for yourself for a time to come. What time to come? Well, what if the time comes that, let's say, you get laid off? That's not your source, right? I got an account. And it's an account where 
even though I got laid off or even though I've gotten hit with this bill or that bill or even though there's a change in my currency here on this earth, I've got currency that's been in the ground and it's in a heavenly storehouse. Hallelujah. I've got harvest and I'm going to make a withdrawal on that for this time right now. You can lay hold on eternal life and get healed. You can lay hold on eternal life and get your bills paid. You can lay hold on eternal life and walk in favor. You can lay hold on eternal life and get deliverance. Glory to God. But you can also lay up in an eternal account for the day to come so that when that day comes, it's there when you need it. What Wednesday night, Pastor Lee said she took the, uh, or she's, I think she took the offering. I'm not sure what she she'd said this about casting your bread on the water. I think it was the week before last. She said she she brought up that scripture where she said cast your bread on the water. You know, over there in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and days later it'll come back to you, right, as a harvest. And she said when they would put that seed out there on the water, it was like in a river. And that river, those waters would take that seed down that riverbed and it would be in the path of their journey. And later on when they'd get to that place in life, that seed would already been planted by those waters and it would have already brought up a harvest and ready for them to receive it. That's what Jehovah Jireh does. He knows ahead. He prepares ahead. He plans ahead. And he has a harvest ahead of time for you so that in your journey, it's already there. He knows what you have need of before you ask for it. It's already out there. You just have to have eyes to see that that's mine. Glory to God. That's my harvest. And while you're on your journey, there it is. Glory to God. God knows ahead. And so every time I'm sowing seed into a heavenly account, guess what? It's there ahead of time. And it's not just the same amount I put in, he multiplies the seed that you sow. So according to the word, if, I've sought, if I'm seeking first the kingdom and I, I'm given, I'm laying up in a heavenly account and guess what happens in that account? Guess what kind of increase it yields? Hundredfold. And so if I can believe for the hundredfold, I can make a withdrawal on way more than enough than what that, that channel that shut down could ever have supplied. See, your job's a channel. That's not your source. God's your source. Hallelujah. Eternal life is a quality of life, not just existing forever. And you can determine the kind of quality of life you live in, amen, by what you lay hold on. You can lay hold on eternal life. Now, did Jesus say this? He absolutely did. He said it in verse 30. Glory to God. He said it to the rich young ruler to lay up, and he talked about laying hold of eternal life. Both it benefits for both. Can you say amen? Look at verse 30 again, Mark chapter 10. He said, but you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Jesus said that. Now in what time? This time and in the world to come, eternal life. Certainly the devil would want you to con be convinced that this is not for now. He would rather you be convinced this is not for now. This, uh, you know, it'd be like a, a man that goes to the bank and keeps making deposits and uh, he still lives in that same broken down house and he's got money to get a new one. He's still driving that same car. It's only got three, three tires that function right. He's never changed the tires. He's still kind of, you know, living by the skin of his teeth. He's got that ragged outfit on all the time, but he keeps making money. 
keeps putting that money in the bank, keeps putting that money in the bank, but he won't make a withdrawal on it. <laughs> he's making deposits, yet he lives without what he's putting on the inside. That's what it is. There's people today that don't believe on the drawing out. They believe, I'm supposed to make deposits. I'm supposed to make deposits. For what? So that you can draw out. That's where religious people can't get a hold of this. They don't believe in drawing out. If you don't believe in drawing out, you'll still go without, and this man still got money in his account. And he says, I just believe that the banks know what I have need of, and they'll just give it to me in the right time. I just know the bank knows that if I need it, it'll just get to me. No, 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 no. That same man that made the deposit has got to go to that same bank and get a withdrawal slip out and draw out what he put in. Same thing with the prodigal son. There was nothing wrong with the prodigal son coming up to Jesus saying, or, or coming up to his father, I should say, saying, I want my inheritance. If there was, he wouldn't have gave it to him. He gladly gave his inheritance to him. What was wrong is what he did with it, right? And the interesting thing is he, defi he divided that inheritance to, to the whole family, to both the children at the same time. And then when he finally comes to himself and he realizes, I'd rather serve my father like an employee. I'd get better benefits being an employee than doing what I'm doing. He wasted everything he had. He's feeding pigs. He's living in the pig pen. And he says, I'm going to go to my dad and repent. And he didn't even get a chance to get a repentance out of his mouth. Runs to the father. Father sees him a distance off. Puts a robe on him. Puts a ring on him. Gives him a kid. Gives him a goat. Gives him a barbecue. Gives him a party. They got music playing. And you got the elder brother. And what, or, or, you know, you got the, the brother out there. And he's thinking, I've served him all these years. And I've been living right. And I've been doing good. I never took the inheritance. That's, he never took it. He could have, right? I didn't take the inheritance. I didn't live in sin. I didn't do this. I've been faithful. I've been teaching Sunday school. I've been tithing. I've been sowing seed. I've been doing all this. And that person comes to church and he just gets saved. And all of a sudden someone gives him a brand new, brand new car and I haven't got nothing. No one ever blesses me. God don't ever do anything good for me. What good is all this stuff anyway? That's the attitude some people have, right? And, and the father says this to the son. He goes, how long have you been with me? All that I have is yours. You could have had a barbecue anytime you wanted. You know where the fridge is at. You could have got a ring anytime you wanted. You can go into the closet and grab any robe you want. You've been with me this whole time. In other words, I gave you the same inheritance. You had a right to the same thing. The difference is he made a withdrawal on it and you didn't. What he did with it was different, right? But he made a withdrawal on it. And if you don't believe in drawing out, you'll miss out and have this religious idea. Well, I never get nothing. It just doesn't. Well, you, you're never going to get nothing talking like that. But if you get a hold of faith and start saying, it's rightfully mine, I take it now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. You'll start, you'll start walking in it. Hallelujah. Now, I'll close with this. I'm done. I, let me tell you this story about Brother Hagin, though. Really good story. How many have ever heard of Brother Hagin in this place? If you've been here long enough, you have. Uh, you know, he had stopped pastoring. The Lord told him to stop pastoring and go on the road. And so that was a change for him. And, you know, he had his kids and different things like that. So they hit the road preaching. And, uh, you know, the Lord said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land.
Well, he was obedient at first, not willing, but he had to get willing too. And then he got willing and obedient, and he's not bringing in enough, you know, not enough coming in the offerings and different things like that, and just kind of, he said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> you said, if I, I've been praying about money, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, I've been believing you, and I've, I've been saying the right thing, and I just, you know, I've got the same suit, and it's wearing out, and it's tearing up, different things. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but. You know, he's hurting, he's on the road, and he's having to believe God for his wife and kids and family. And uh, there's people that aren't, you know, there's offerings that aren't coming in, even though they were given. They weren't coming to him. And, and the Lord spoke to him, and that's where he got that little mini book, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. The Lord spoke to him and said, If you're begging, you're not believing. That's what he said. He said, if you're begging, you're not believing. He said, the money you need is right here on this earth. And then he spoke to me. He said, number one, claim what you need. And number two, you, you might have heard this preach before. He said, then, then take your authority and tell the devil to get his hands off your stuff, right? And then the third thing, he said, you've got ministering spirits, so commission those angels to go out and cause the money to come for you. And he talked about those three things, and he talked about some other things in that book as well. But when he said that, claim what you need, I thought, based on what? Well, number one, the promises in the Scripture, right? Why would you have a right to it? Well, think about this. Paul said, no church gave like you concerning giving and receiving. Okay? Paul, it worked three ways. It met Paul's need. And the second way it worked, it, uh, it went up to heaven and God smelt it. <laughs> Right? It became a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. It was, a, it was a sacrifice. It was giving. It was accepted by God. Right? And then thirdly, you know, Paul spent it. And then thirdly, we see it's in the account. And then that very next verse, in verse 19, look what he says. He says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's he saying? If you've got an account in heaven and you're making deposits, there's supply up there in that account. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And you can make a claim on that. That's what Brother Hagin was saying. He said, the Lord said, claim it. Claim it. In other words, that's a promise in the book. If I've been given and I got seed and it's protected and it's a hundredfold increase up there in that account, I got a right to claim that. And then he said, now you tell the devil, take your hands off of my stuff. He said, it's out there in the earth. And he had eyes to see, ears to hear. And when he got a hold of that, man, he delivered ministering angels out there to go cause it to come in. He started walking in that. He went from begging and praying and asking to walking in his authority and walking in, uh, in a sense of knowledge as to what's in his account. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I tell you what, you're not going to have need in heaven. We got needs on this earth, but you better have seed in heaven. If you got seed in heaven, then I'll tell you, you got a supply that will meet all your needs in this earth, earth every day time we just want to follow him <laughs> don't seek the stuff seek him 
seek him. Y'all get something out of that today? There's so much more, but I'm going to stop right there because I went over 12, but I pray you got something out of that. I went over because y'all are pulling. Amen. I said y'all are easy people to preach to. Amen. The, the key is, is that we stay stirred up in this. Amen. We want to stay stirred up in this to get over into where God has for us, which is much bigger than what we have. We're going to have to believe in something bigger than what we have. We're going to have to trust in someone bigger than what we can see. And that's got to be God and his word. Amen. And so if we stay stirred up in this, I tell you, we'll start to see things increase in our life and then we'll know what to do with it. I said, we'll know what to do with it and how to flow with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, this is a season of harvesting, seed time and harvest. And as we sow the seed you've given us to sow, we wouldn't have anything to sow if you didn't give it to us first. So we get to cooperate with what you've given to us. And as we sow that seed, you put an increase on that seed and you deliver it to us. And we get the responsibility. What a wonderful responsibility it is to gather that harvest together. Thank you, Father, for a gathering spirit in this church. A spirit of, I'm a possessor. Hallelujah. I'm a possessor. I'm a possessor of eternal life. I get to lay up and I get to lay hold in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Y'all get something out of that today? Amen. Give God a good shout this morning for the word of God. Praise God. God is good. Listen, before we're dismissed, if there's anybody here that hadn't received Jesus, if you want to just raise your hand, we're going to pray with you today. I believe everyone here's family. I feel that in my heart, but you never know. How many are born again in here? Amen. Maybe you're watching online today. See, we get the awesome privilege to have two audiences at once. Y'all are wonderful to be here, but we've got an audience online with us too, and you never know who's watching. Maybe you're watching today and you came across us on YouTube or some social media platform and you say, that's good, but I don't know Jesus. I would like to know him as my Savior. All you have to do is call on his name and he will come into your heart and he will save you and he will make you a brand new person and give you hope in Jesus' name. All you got to do is pray this prayer with me today. Say this out loud. And we'll all say it with you. Say, Jesus... I believe that you died for me because you love me. You came for me because you love me. You care about me. And even in my situation right now, I may have made it a mess, but you still love me. But I call on you to clean me up and to make me righteous and to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me now. Save me from my separation, from my eternal maker. Come into my heart and make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead so I can have a brand new life and a brand new start. I start that now. I start my new life now in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you are now born again. Write us. Let us know who you are. We want to bless you. We want to get in contact with you and just bless you with gifts and different materials that can really uh, aid you on this new path of greatness for your life. You're gonna, 
walk in a path of greatness because the greater one lives on the inside of you. We love you. All of you that are watching online, we love you. Can't wait to see you again. God bless you. I call everybody here healed and blessed in Jesus' name. And we'll see you come again Wednesday night. Amen. Stop by and fellowship with someone before you leave and uh, uh, stick around a little bit. Get to know someone. Amen. God bless you.